This is the Don't Forget to Breathe podcast. In these episodes, we discuss grief, emotions, mental health, loss, trauma, and death of loved ones. There may be triggers that touch pain and other emotions within you. We just want you to be aware before you listen. We hope this podcast will help you on your journey to emotional health. Welcome to Don't Forget to Breathe. I'm Bruce Barker, along with my co-host, Rena Collins, formerly Uwe. Rena. Hi there, Bruce. All right. So before we go too far down the road here, um, do you want to kind of share what's going on with uh, now you're Collins and you were Uwe? Yeah, sure. Um, so Uwe was my married name and uh, I got divorced a few years ago. And at the time, I still had a couple of kids who had the last name, Uwe, family name. And I really wanted to stay and keep that name because it was kind of our unifying family name. And so then when, when my last boy died and then my daughter got married and changed her name, there didn't seem to be that need to hold on to that um, as part of a group identity thing. And so um, after my Facebook account got hacked in, and that was my married name, I thought, uh-huh. oh, there's a, an opportunity to kind of play around with being Rena Collins again. I haven't been Rena Collins since I was 20. So that's a long time. And you don't realize how much of your identity is wrapped up into that name and what it means. And um, so, yeah, I've been experimenting with that. And friends have been playing with calling me Rena Collins again. And it's, <laughs> I may not look 20 anymore, but <laughs> it's reminding me of, you know, times gone by. But so. people can find you either way. So professionally, yes. ooey and. Yes. Yes, so for sure. If, if they're. If they're your buds, then Collins. Yeah, I get it. Collins. All right. Yeah, yeah. So um, we received quite the response from our last episode, which was Rena's story, your story. Um, and I know that this this particular episode, uh, you know, I'll just be honest with the listeners. We were kind of struggling with the name of this episode, and so it started off as survivor's guilt, and then we talked about. Um, again, this was pre-show about guilt and grief and being a survivor and um you know but what we're going to try to do and 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 rena's going to explain maybe a little bit more but we're just going to dive into a few of those survivors um feelings on 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 a sense of guilt and how that can manifest itself you know into a sense of i can say for me of not allowing yourself to feel joy and that was that happened for a very long time. Um, and then if you did have a moment of joy, it might be immediately followed by a sense of guilt for feeling joy. And I don't think that's I don't think that's an uncommon feeling uh, that our listeners have um, as they go through their their journey of grief. Um, and I know that guilt can be debilitating and. And for me, like, you know, and, and others, I'm sure leading to anger and sadness and even, you know, depression and despair. Um, so, 
so Rena, let's dive into that. Um, of what we were just talking about with guilt and grief and, and that sense of guilt. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're spot on, Bruce. Uh, I remember, too, when the boys died each and every time I lost one of the boys. It was, oh, gosh, you'd find yourself smiling at something, maybe, or laughing at a joke or whatever, and you would catch yourself, um, or I would catch myself and think, oh, my God, how am I laughing? How am I being, you know, normal in this moment? How Or... Even what are people thinking when they see me laugh? Do they not think I love my boys? Do they not think I'm hurting? Do Is it a measure of how much I loved or didn't love them if I'm able to laugh? Um, right. Yeah. And then I went through the grief recovery program and then got certified. And as I was getting certified and getting trained, I learned something that I'd never, ever been exposed to before. And that was the definition of guilt. And guilt meaning intent to harm. Mm. And I would say most of us listening with grief right now had no intent ever to harm our loved ones, our kids, in any way. Mm -hmm. And so thinking, wow, how does guilt play into this with no intent to harm? My laughing, joking, being in the moment, enjoying a moment of, you know, lightheartedness with friends which may have been the only laugh that I had all week or all month or whatever. Where was the guilt? You know, what, what, what did it mean? Well, there was no guilt because I had no intent to harm anybody. And so it really freed up that ability to be able to be in that moment and not make it about feeling guilty. Yeah. I I think, you know, for you, since you, you did that training, Right. And, um, and as you did that, and, and you could say whether, whether you did that training or, or had simply gone through, um, the grief recovery process that those were tools that you learned and then were able to, um, to put into effect, I guess you is one way to say it. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, then you look at, so someone like me that, you know, that I, I talked about in season one was, I mean, I wasn't seeking a lot of help, you know, I mean, I might go to this group or that group and, and, you know, it was, you know, a couple of tiny little band-aids, but at the time, um, I wasn't even that interested in learning all that stuff. So I, um, I took it on as guilt mm-hmm. now, not really obviously understanding the definition of guilt, you know, as, as you had just said, with an intent for harm, that wasn't, that wasn't it unless it was my own, you know, guilty at myself and, and, and being okay, that that's harming me and, and I'll just deal with it again. That, and then that went into anger and it went into sadness mm-hmm. and, and depression and all of that. And I think um, what's occurring to me right now is that's why that's why we're doing this whole podcast mm-hmm. is because there's there's probably a um a lot of people out there that um for whatever reason don't feel like one they may be ready mm-hmm. to go and seek help and right. two who do they go mm-hmm. and seek help from 
Right. Um, because I know for me, it was like, well, I know they're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they haven't lost a child. They're just right. a, you know, they're a counselor or they're, uh, you know, whatever. But I always discounted mm-hmm. them before I even knew who they were. Right. Um, and I guess, you know, what I'm trying to, to say to the listeners is um, there are paths when you're ready to walk that path mm-hmm. toward recovery. Right. And um, this may be, you know, a tiny part of that journey, but I know that things that you and I have, have talked about, um, I want to say off camera, but that's not really it. But <laughs> when we're, after we were, we've, we finished recording has really been, um, you know, I'm 60 years old and I, and, you know, I'm still learning new stuff all the time. And so this, just even the definition of, of guilt going well damn, I didn't know what that meant. That wasn't, you know, but then in the context that you just put it, it does release you. At least that's the feeling I have. It releases you to experience joy when, I mean, no matter what level of grief that we're in, we're not betraying mm-hmm. our our child right. um, that's not here anymore. We're, there's no betrayal. And like you said, you don't love them less and you don't, I mean, Mm -hmm. those were a lot of external, external views Mm -hmm. that we were taking on. Um, so that's, that's a big deal. Um, just that the change in the definition. Right. For sure. Yeah. Just allowing, allowing it to be a standalone moment of joy with with no price of intent to harm. Right. So just doesn't come with that price tag. It was very freeing for me to to hear yeah. that, you know, and I didn't get that until my third son died, you know, so I hadn't sought any help at all when the first two boys died. It wasn't until the third that I actually allowed myself to recognize the fact that I needed help mainly because I didn't have anybody else at home to take care of. So I had, mm-hmm. I had no distraction. I had to feel it. So. Well, yeah. and I know for me that um, I just, I mean, there was a lot of grace um, from people in, in my life mm-hmm. that I just, I wasn't doing the work I thought. And I mean, I might've told myself I was doing the work, but I really, wasn't wasn't doing the work and i mean and it was it was it was chewing me up inside you know there was a lot of things um you know especially that depression and despair you know again there was as i mentioned in in the first season where i would you know fervently pray every night that god wouldn't just let me wake up like i don't want to wake up don't need to wake right. up, but I put it on him. You do it. I'm not going to do it. You know, like let's, we're, I'm done here. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, but for the grace that was, that was there to keep me going. And then, you know, a phone call from, from a friend or, or from whatever that, um, that got me, I guess that bridged the gap to then be at a point where I was ready 
and would start doing the work. But there's, I mean, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of people that, um, haven't done like, don't reach out, didn't reach out. Um, and that's, I think that's an, another reason that we, we are doing what we are doing with this podcast is, um, to be that, maybe that bridge, um, that gets someone through the, the deepest depression and the, the darkest despair to, to just have that glimmer of hope that yes, I can survive this. Don't really know how, but here's where I'm going to start. Right. Yeah. It's to, it's to provide the space. So folks who maybe feel a little bit understood, like their grief is understood, it's safe. Mm -hmm. And maybe to share some tools um, to navigate it. Um, because I sure, you know, as I said, it was grief transforming for me to go through the program and to, to learn some tools because we are taught how to acquire things from the time we take our first breath, right? Right. We're taught how to acquire motor skills and language and education and family and a car and a community and friends and religion and all the things. And we're never taught the tools to actually lose them in a healthy way. And so learning tools for me was very key. And now doing programs or doing one-on-one sessions, mm -hmm. passing those tools along to other folks, uh, knowing that we were never taught how to lose anything. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, there's just no, there's no handbook on, <laughs> on any of this. I, and, and I can say from a, a, a guy's perspective, I mean, we're really good at, um, compartmentalizing and filing things away that, and, you know, that I wanted, like, give me the, give me what I needed, you know, like I, I, as a book, like, Give me the how-to. Right. Um, but I would prefer it be with pictures because I don't ever read instructions until okay. I've already put something together wrong and went, what did I do wrong? And then I'll go back and actually read what it said. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, again, it was just people. Um, there were just a pe some people in my life that um, just helped me bridge the gap until I was ready, right. but at least at some point I was ready. Right. And you recognized when you were ready and, and then... recognized. Yeah. And then, and then started that process. Um, and then to get to the point of, of then even starting the, the podcast was still a continuation mm -hmm. um, of the work that I was doing. And, um, and it continues, you know, like, you know, when we when we do these episodes, just having that sense, like I know, I know from us talking after the shows that, you know, we're both drained because mm -hmm. we're, you know, you're just kind of pouring everything into it. And that's the thing that I would say that for people that that do seek help and those that are seeking help that, yeah, you're going to you're going to be emotionally exhausted but that's not a bad thing. 
it's not a bad thing because you can be emotionally exhausted anyway, even without doing the work. It's just, right. it's, it's so such, such an energy drain, just trying to survive instead of thrive. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's just maybe doing the work is emotional exhaustion with a purpose. Um, right. So with that thriving in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Getting to wow. that point. So those that, um, so some of the people without obviously saying, you know, we're not talking specifically about any client, um, that you, that you speak with, but the level of when they come to you, what would you say is like their level of, and, and I don't want to, you know, we're not trying to to quantify levels of grief, but uh, but that level of despair and depression, like where it's like, I need help. Cause some may, and, and again, I didn't, that there are some people that are extremely self-aware and go, you know what I want? Mm -hmm. I recognize right away. I'm not going to do this alone and I'm going to seek help. And then there are mm -hmm. those like me that will put it off as long as I can until it's like, okay, right. I need to do something. So are you seeing people that come to you at, I mean, are they coming to you um, like this is the last straw kind of a thing or coming to you as um, I'm ready to get better and I know I need help rather or, or a, mm -hmm. look, I don't know what to do. So I'm here. So what are you going to do? Yeah, great question. And I see everything across the board. Uh, and because I also do, I have a few hats that I wear in work. So I do reflexology and I do functional medicine, health coaching. And so sometimes folks will come to me for one or other of those things. And during our time together, something will come up about grief and they will realize they would like to transition into some grief work. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, some folks come to me specifically for grief. And, uh, again, as you say, there are no levels of grief, right? You just can't, can't compare, can't quantify. Um, right. and everybody's having, you know, as you and I've talked about before, um, everybody experiences grief at a hundred percent of their own capacity with that particular loss. So mm -hmm. we can, can't compare, quantify, judge. It's, I mean, and it's not a competition that we want to win. I sure oh. don't want to win the gold medal for grief. I nope. have no interest in being up there. Um, and I also don't want to minimize anybody else's, you know, because when my boys died, I would have friends sometimes say, you know, oh, I don't want to talk about this because you're going through this and it's so much greater or my dog died, but that's nothing compared to yours. And I would always say, no, 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 please don't do that. There's no winning a grief competition. Let's just support each other. Your dog dying is causing you just as much pain as my experience of my, me losing my boys. We are having different experiences and we can hold space for that and honor each other. Um, but they're also experiencing the loss of their dog or their mom or their job at a hundred percent of their unique individual capacity for grief in that moment. And again, I don't want to win the grief trophy. Right. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't serve anybody. It's not a win-win. It's, it's a lose. So, and it can keep us stuck if we want to stay with that. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, that's um, do do you find? Um, and this is you probably have a very quick answer for this. The the grief journey or the or the grief that um, we experience. Are you seeing that manifest physically in in people's bodies, and that's why you? you so some of these people have come to you for help and then realizing, okay, here's maybe closer to the real source. Is that what, what right. you see? Absolutely. You're spot on, right? Because typically uh, we tend not to focus on taking care of ourselves when we're grieving. You know, we're distracted. We're not maybe exercising as we used to. We're not eating as well as we used to. We might go to fast food. We might stop eating. We, you know, we might use some what we call STURBs in, in um, grief recovery. What, what's a STURB? So it stands for short-term emotion or energy relieving behaviors. And so they are basically behaviors that take place in order to distract us from feeling the pain of grief. So because grief can be big and scary and overwhelming and so... Your brain really can't tell the difference between if you're going towards an emotional pain or going to grab, you know, something that's hot from the stove. And so just as it would pull you back from not getting burnt or from getting burnt, it will have you do something to distract yourself from going towards an emotional pain. So they could be things like food, alcohol, drugs, shopping, gambling, social media, exercise, even workaholism, um, sex, all, all the things that can distract you in the moment. And they're typically all, you know, in typical times, healthy things to be part of your life. But when you're actually using them to not feel a feeling is when they become an unhealthy behavior or they're taken to a level that isn't healthy. So doing a, so then instead of, you know, driving home and cooking a a healthy meal. It's like, screw that. I'm, I'm sliding through the drive-thru and then it's easy to slide through the drive-thru again. And like, do I really feel like cooking? No, I really don't feel like cooking. Right. And I'm just going to do that again. Or, um, and stuff I've noticed, um, that, you know, it's still, I call it stress snacking, but I don't know what it is, Uh but it's again, it's that, okay, I need a, like you said, a temporary, um, you know, like this little temporary boost. Like here's my, right. I, it's not, it's not normal, healthy, right. um, my normal healthy routine right. necessarily, mm-hmm. which I don't, I don't know how many healthy routines I really have. I, I, I have to get back into those and learn those again, right. but that, um, all right, I'm going to. I'm just going to eat a little handful of chips rather than a handful of carrots or celery. And I wouldn't eat celery because I don't like it anyway. But <laughs> but to, instead of just, you know, all those little things. Now, I know yeah. we hear about, we hear that all the time of um, with, um, you know, fitness gurus or whatever about just little things, you know, healthy snack right. this. And, uh-huh. and, and I, and I get that, but I think that what's really making sense to me with what you're saying. And then I think to our, our listeners is, okay, here's where some of that behavior could be coming from and why we're choosing, Mm -hmm. um, 
and so whether it's not just the food, so whether it is um, alcohol or drugs or, um, you know, working out to the the point of exhaustion or, or you know, right. just yeah. all those mm-hmm. things that on their own at different times may be okay and healthy, but right. when it's taken to an extreme and then affecting the body negatively, right. and mm-hmm. then, so then someone's come to you and go, okay, this hurts, that hurts, don't know why. Right. And then yeah. you're able to, mm-hmm. to evaluate and get to a, a different yeah. conclusion. Yeah, maybe get to the root cause. I mean, think how stereotypical it is even in movies, right? If somebody has a breakup, they eat a pint of ice cream or two or ten, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, again, it's that feeling that you really don't want to feel or feels too big to feel in the moment. And so when that becomes kind of a pattern or a learned way of dealing with loss or, um, you know, just just even not having the energy or not sleeping properly, that's another big health trigger there and the stress of grief. Um, so all of those things can manifest as different illnesses in the body. Um, but the root cause can be that stuck grief um, that folks just don't have the tools. They've never been taught the tools to move through it. Um, you know, we often say in grief recovery, it's like trying to use, a, you know, like a hammer to put a screw in the wall or a screwdriver to put a nail in the wall. It's not that folks who who are grieving, are. Not, it's not that they're doing it wrong. It's just that they've never been given the right tools. And, you know, a lot of folks can, can say, you know, oh, you should be over it by now or move on or whatever. No, there is no moving on. There is mm-hmm. completing the process with the right tools. Um, but it's not because they... It's not because they're doing it wrong. There can be shame in, you know, not doing it in a specific time or not meeting some external goal for when you should be over grief. They just weren't given the tools. Right. Shame's a really good word. I mm-hmm. um, I know we've talked, you know, we've tossed the word guilt around, mm-hmm. but I think shame might be, um, might be really a more descriptive thing, uh, a descriptive word with, with kind of what we're talking about here. So, you know, when you mentioned some of those, you know, those stirbs, as long as they're not becoming um, a habit, right. But I think that it, if I'm right in saying, you know, swinging through the drive-through, fine, big deal, right. right? Don't feel shame for doing it. Don't feel shame for some of, of, of the stirbs, it's only when they're becoming a a habit, a daily thing, that that it might be a point of of recognizing it, and then okay, what do I need to do about this? But right. don't feel shame, right? Guilt, whatever word you want to use yeah. for those things. It's okay. It is totally okay, and it is literally you doing what your brain is wired to have you do. So lots of grace and self-compassion and gentleness because shame will just add to those feelings and, you know, oftentimes keep that behavior stuck. Now, what was interesting for me going through the program was that I looked at the list of stirbs and I thought, oh, this is great. I don't have any stirbs. I am just fine. <laughs> Nothing mm-hmm. on the list. And I thought, oh, this is great. I'm an A student with grief. 
But I had to really dig deep. And I always share this with my clients because they're not always obvious disturbs. Um, but I had to look at my behaviors that had changed since Phil died. And I thought, what am I doing that's different? And then always with disturbs, we like to explore and see what is the emotion it's trying to stop us from feeling or stopping us from feeling. And so I recognized that after um, work, every evening I would drive to Target. Now, it wasn't a shopping stir because I wasn't buying anything, but I was literally just spending time there every evening, wandering around and staying there until it closed. That's all. Mm-hmm. And... Um, well, I used to spend a lot of time with Target and the kids, you know, with the kids doing all kinds of things and shopping and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it was a very comfortable place for me to go where I connected with them, but couldn't understand why I was doing it every night. And then I had to get quiet with myself and say, what am I trying not to feel? And I thought, hmm, I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home to a quiet house with the lights off. I don't want to feel lonely. What is the emotion it is stopping me from feeling? And I thought it's loneliness and it's alone and it's lonely. And, you know, because when I would go home before with all the kids in the house, you know, there were always their friends there or them right. playing video games and doing all the things. And then, um, so yeah, I was going to Target every evening. And then I think I mentioned in, in the first episode too, I was keeping my house and car cluttered because I needed signs of life. I oh, needed yeah. the books overturned on the counters and I needed, yeah, because usually I would have had baseball stuff and soccer stuff and writing, you know, all the things. Mm-hmm. So. so sometimes it disturbs you have to dig deep and go, what's changed? It's not always obvious and it's not on the list, but what is different and what are you doing? And then what is the emotion it is blocking you from feeling because it feels too scary and too different and too heavy to actually walk towards and acknowledge. So once I had the awareness of it, I started to go back home and kind of face it, work through it. Which obviously wasn't easy. No, no, it wasn't. And that's, and I think that's um, something for our listeners to to understand and 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 be okay with that. Any of these things that we talk about, and you know, when we talked about, I talked about that year of firsts, and you know, going back to those places. None of it's easy, nope. and 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 it's not like okay, I did it once, so all right, the next time will be fine. Mm-hmm. And the next time's probably not fine. That nope. it's just it's a long, a long journey. Right, um, for sure. Yeah. And but we're not alone mm-hmm. in the journey. And we're we're mm-hmm. again just even from the feedback that we've received so far, um, we're not alone at all. Mm-hmm. And neither are they. Neither is anyone listening right now. Um, we're walking the path beside you and it doesn't matter again where we are in the process Mm -hmm. because there's going to be there's going to be moments that are just um you know where those emotions just flood in and can't put a finger on why it's just there there and and to be okay with with them being there Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we are not alone. It can feel like we're really alone. And yes, it is unique and nobody else knows what we're feeling, right? Because we're all feeling it in an individual way, but we all remember how we feel and how we felt at our loss and walk alongside each other with that and and allow all these feelings to be normal. Right. Because grief is a normal, natural response to loss. It's just that society sometimes doesn't do a good job of holding space for it. No, I think um, I've noticed a lot of that. But and and then you know, you and I have talked about, um, yeah, normalizing mm-hmm. um, grief and normalizing um, the mental health issues that that go along with this and, and, um, and just what everybody deals with and how people, how people deal with it. I know that, Mm -hmm. um, and then, and how people don't, I know that, um, I know from, you know, from coaching, um, I know we're kind of taking a side turn here, but from, from coaching, uh, when I was coaching high school, um, girls lacrosse that, um, there was, um, um, in the, cause it was at a, at a girl's school and there was a boys division too. And, and one of the boys had, um, committed suicide mm-hmm. and they brought us in the coaches and said, okay, you know, this is something that, um, that in schools can tend to just kind of domino and you really want to pay attention to if there's any kind of difference in the way the girls are acting or, mm-hmm. or changes in their behavior and let us know. And, and sure it, it perked me up um, to do that, but it didn't mean I understood anything mm-hmm. other than um, that. And, and there was more and more of it. And, and, and it seems like since, you know, since Kristen died, I don't know if it's just awareness Mm-hmm. of um or if it's just in the news and in the public more of more and more of um how many um people whether it's it's um just kids teenagers young adults mm-hmm. that commit suicide yeah. and i know that it was for me growing up you know that was just you don't you just didn't hear about it. You didn't talk about it. But Mm -hmm. now I think that it is that the more that it can be up front, out front to go, there is no shame in what's going on. And I know that for me, I could say, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if this is the right description to say, I could understand where a level of despair got to the point that that was the, mm-hmm. that was a choice that someone made because I know that. And again, I'm not saying it's a choice. So I don't know if these are, any of these are the right words, but when I'm, when I am going to bed every night and, and my prayer is don't wake up. Right. It's that same thing of, I get it. You know, as far as there's a, you're looking for a level of relief that you, um, that you can't get right this minute. You know, yeah. So I think sure. by by normalizing, um, and and I say normalizing from the the point of let's have conversations, let's talk about it, let's, right. um, 
because I can tell you from my experience and that I know there are there are people that are listening um, to this podcast that 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 to contemplate um, that level of relief right. of suicide has been there is there mm-hmm. and then now it's a matter of okay, how can we help? What do we do? Right. And I know, again, so that we just took a kind of a big turn, but I guess it still kind of falls into the whole of your, if with guilt and if you're doing the work and not doing the work or whatever, and kind of where I was and, and falling into, into some of that, the levels of depression and despair. Um, like, what's the next step? What's the, for those that are listening right now, and that this is something they're they're thinking about, and and I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, your child's gone, and so, and now what? Right? right? Yeah, the pain can feel so overwhelming. Uh, I don't remember for me actually feeling suicidal. I just remember not wanting to be alive, and so for me right. it was very different. Um, I feel there's a difference between being actively suicidal and then just not wanting to be here um, mm-hmm. because I really did not want to be here without my voice. Right. Um, and obviously Phil died from suicide. And, and I think, you know, at least those of us who, who have had kids who've died from suicide, um, we typically don't say they've committed suicide. Um, it's died from suicide or died from depression, really, mm-hmm. uh, deep depression. And um, suicide was the, the the culminating part of that, but it was died from depression and and um, and suicide. Um, and it is looking for that way out and feeling like there is no light at the end of the tunnel and this can't possibly get any better and it just feels too big too big in the moment, too heavy to carry. Um, And so I would say for sure um, there are numbers, there are hotlines. Um, You know, there's you and I, uh, we have emails Mm -hmm. can reach out. And I would say finding the energy, finding, scrap of energy to reach out, knowing that even if you or they in that moment can't remember that that there can be light, to allow somebody else to remember it for you until you can get over that bridge to remembering what it's like to feel hopeful, to, to allow somebody else to hold that as your truth. Um until you can see it and feel it for yourself. Um, it's like, as you were saying, that bridge, that yeah. bridge to the next moment. Um, and I know for sure my son did not want to die that night. He had reached out to a friend. He was grasping at somebody to help him remember the light. Um so I would encourage people who are listening, who are feeling that to access one of the ways to allow 
another human to hold that safe space until you can get back to it yourself and feel secure. Because yeah. it can feel really dark and it can feel so overwhelming. Yeah. So I, if you just reach out, someone's going to take your hand. Yeah. There is someone. There is somebody. Yeah. There is right? somebody. Yeah. And, and to not like, don't even bother thinking of, of knowing what the journey is, knowing what the path is. I mean, if you've got just enough light to see the next step, that's it. That's all you need. Mm -hmm. You take one step. Yeah. And until you see the light to take the next step and somebody's going to be there yep. to hold your hand. So, um, so like Rena said, you can reach out to us and, um, and, and there are numbers, there's resources on the website. Our website's live now. Um, and that website is don't forget to breathe podcast.com. So from that site, um, you can actually catch all the previous podcasts. Um, you can find links to our Facebook, Instagram pages, um, but some really helpful resources. Um, Rena's um, Turning Your Leaf website. There's a link on there for that. And and also a platform to uh, connect with us. So whether it's comments, questions, um, or just seeking help. All right. So don't hesitate. You know, go to the website. Again, it's real easy to remember. You see the, the name of the podcast. Don't forget to breathe podcast.com. Send us a message. Reach out to us um, and let us know. Um, let us know how we can help. Mm -hmm. And then we'll we'll talk more of other other things, you know, down the road. But but given what we just talked about, put your hand out. Mm -hmm. And and we'll take your hand. And For sure. And I know you've got resources in you know, throughout the country that you could put them, put someone in touch with someone in their area. For sure. Right. Yeah. That's the grief recovery method.com. They have a list in every state um, of grief recovery specialists. And if we don't have it up already, Bruce, I think we should consider adding the emergency suicide hotline number. And there is also a place that um, folks could text for help to. Um, yeah, I will definitely get that up. Just to make it easy. It can it can feel so hard to even find the energy to do that. But to even have it saved in 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 the phone. Mm -hmm. And if you're worried about somebody or a friend or a family member who, you know, you can save it in their phone too, so all they have to hit is speed dial. And they'll be connected with somebody to to be another human on the other end of the line that will literally take your hand and walk you to um, more solid, more solid ground. Yeah. And I can, um, and so I'll speak um, to the guys out there to just say, um, you know, don't think you're some, some badass and that, that you'll just get over this. If you need help, there's no shame in it. Mm -hmm. um, it is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength, mm -hmm. to be honest. It is a sign of strength because you can sit and not do anything and shrivel up. Mm 
Mm-hmm. That's easy, right? Um, but it is a sign of strength. Reach out, send an email, make a call, do whatever's necessary. But um, guys, it's just as important for you um, to go through this process and to heal as it is anyone else. Mm -hmm, Um, And if you are married and in a relationship, it's your responsibility. So I'll call you out on it because, you know, believe me, I've been an ass um, in my relationship until I started doing the work Mm -hmm. and she deserved better out of me then. um, But now she's getting better out of me now. So um, it's your responsibility. Step it up. And again, if you just want to call me, text me or not, well, I don't want to text, but I mean, to send me an email, reach out, whatever, do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so before we, we close, there's one more thing that I'll let you know. Um, so Rena and I, we spend a lot of time talking after the shows and we decided, and there's been, there, there's some really good conversations that we have, we just kind of, you know, we go down whatever path it takes us and these conversations about grief and recovery. So what we decided to do was to start recording those conversations as well. And we will start uploading those as, you know, after the show podcast, it's still all part of the same thing, but we will, we'll bounce around from subject to subject. Um, a lot of the same conversations that, that we have, um, during the show, but we may, we may head down a rabbit hole that you're already in. Mm-hmm. So um, it, the sound may not always be the best because we're just kind of kicking back and, and, and just having a casual conversation. So with that, you know, you can feel like, Hey, you're just pulling up a chair and you're just going to sit and listen um, to the conversation. And that's, that's cool. So look for those episodes as well. They'll probably be shorter shorter versions um but just little little tidbits of of after the show so um anything to add tonight rena no i think we covered a lot <laughs> we did cover a lot <laughs> we yeah. did cover a lot i think we had a lot of content and i feel some things are really important on both of our hearts and to to share tonight and um Definitely to reach out a hand to any listener who is feeling kind of lost in this grief. Um, and no shame. No shame. It's it's a very normal, natural, sometimes really scary, overwhelming response to loss. But it is normal and natural. Yeah. So. No shame at all. So no shame. Reach out. We look forward to hearing from you and thanks for listening. Good night.